Hey everybody, you're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys podcast where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're just getting started or a seasoned vet, we're going to give you our over 40 years of combined real estate experience to help you along your investing journey. Today, we've got a very important topic. We are talking about buying your first home and things that you need to look out for. Yeah, there's all the rage right now are adjustable rate mortgages because you can save a little on interest. We want to talk about being aware of those. Also, being aware of the hidden costs when you buy a place. Taxes go up, maintenance maintenance costs needs to be accounted for. And also, most importantly of all, we're going to be talking about how much house to buy. Just because you got approved for a certain amount doesn't mean that's the price point you should be shopping for. Buying your first home is a monumental task. And I think everyone needs to proceed with extreme caution. And by that, you know, I think it's always good to be a little nervous and scared. And this being such a big purchase, I see people make the mistake of going to, uh, you know, your brother's girlfriend because she's a realtor, or, you know, just stopping by um, any old mortgage, uh, brick and mortar uh, bank for your mortgage. You've got to surround yourself with the right people. You've got to be scared of the potential pitfalls that um, that we're going to discuss. And you just got to be smart about it. This is the biggest purchase of your life, most likely. Treat it like it. Yeah, and living conservatively is always a good thing. It's amazing to put your head on your pillow at night and not have the stress of a mortgage payment you aren't sure you can make, not have bills that you can't pay. There's nothing better than living below your means, which is point one, don't buy too much house. Well, what is too much house? Out there, you see a lot of people talking about 28%. There's a 28% rule that you'll see as you research, how much house can I afford? Well, we think that you should buy even less. We think that's the very, very top end. So of your, your net income, spending 28% on your house and you can work backwards from there. So if say you're making $10,000 a month, your mortgage payment should be $2,800 a month. Most well, let's go ahead and just throw this out there. You know, we have a lot of listeners in California. Um, you know, our metrics show that uh, the homeboys have a big audience in California. And Hey, thank to all those of you that listen out there in California. Thank you. We uh, love having you being part of the homeboys nation, but there's going to be a lot of people out there. That's going to say BS, Mr. Adams, how on God's green earth, am I going to be able to buy a house for 28% of my net income? Yeah. There's a lot of regions in the country where we don't recommend that buying a house right now is probably the smartest use of, of, people's money. We have a lot of clients who don't own their own home in California, but own rental properties all throughout the United States in affordable markets where the owning of real estate is still affordable. It still is appreciating and it's still a solid investment and a good bang for your buck. So $2,800 in, in our state gets you well above average entry level purchase price, even at today's interest rates. You know, affordability in markets has been something that's always intrigued me. You know, whenever I was early in my career, this is going back probably 15 years ago, I had this money magazine article that was laminated that showed the 50 largest uh, metropolitan markets in the United States. 
and it highlighted the percentage of a person's income that went towards their mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. And I remember the stats. And like I said, this is going back a few years, so nobody take this as the gospel. But back then in California, or excuse me, in Los Angeles, um, 55% on average was the person's income that went to the, towards their mortgage payment. Indianapolis average was 11%. You know, it was easy for me to remember those numbers because 55 and 11 um, were, those, were those two numbers. And it just fascinated me because I was early, you know, into my career and I didn't realize, you know, how much real estate cost on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, 55% of a person's income going towards their mortgage payment, whereas here in Indiana, it's 11%. So, you know, I say that because people have to realize you know, it is very different in certain markets. There's going to be people that listen to this and be like, oh, yeah, it's easy for you guys to say not, you know, 28% of, you know, my income should be the tops of what, you know, I pay for, you know, a house. You know, I get it. You know, there's markets that it's really tough, but there are, are drastic swings when you look at it from a national scale, like whether it be here, whether it be Cincinnati, whether it be, um, I don't know, Charlotte, Jacksonville. Some okay, let areas. me sum that up, though, yeah. for you. Geographically, it's about 95% of the nation, geographically, about 95% of the nation where housing is still affordable. Geographically, that doesn't mean by population, mm-hmm. because the population centers that have the largest populations are the least affordable, as it turns out. Imagine that, where right. there's the least amount of land and the most people, that real estate would be expensive. But for most people out there, for that for people living in 95% of the country, housing is still attainable and affordable. Will it be as affordable as some cities? No, there's variations within all of them, but it's achievable for many people out there. And many people out there are scared off and we want to say, don't be scared, come on in, but just be very conservative and cautious. Because if you listen to these three things, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine because you're going to go into this with the first step of not buying too much house. If you go and get approved for a $600,000 mortgage, don't start shopping for $600,000 houses. Start shopping for $300,000 houses. Just try to live that far below your means. Clint and I are big believers in it. Clint's a big believer in having no mortgage. Um, There's a lot of people out there that disagree and think that, hey, leverage your house because you can do it cheaply. He likes having his roof over his head paid off. And there's a comfort in that that's amazing. I believe in having a tiny, tiny mortgage compared to what I could be approved for. Tiny. And I'm going to be paying mine off in the next year or two. Leverage your investments. Pay off where you lay your head at night. That's kind of my general rule of thumb. Like, I, I don't know. That's, that's my uh, sanctuary for me and my family. Um, yeah, I don't like carrying a mortgage on it. And some people think that's crazy and say, oh, well, you know what? You're going to miss out on that, uh, that uh, mortgage you know, property tax deduction. That is $3,000 off of your assessed value. So if you have a $500,000 house, all of a sudden now your assessed value is $497,000. Not going to make that much of a difference. Yeah, there's some interest, uh, some, some money tax-wise that it will benefit you on paying your uh, the interest costs that you have, but at the same time, I'd rather not have any interest costs and who cares then there'd be a lot. There's a lot of people that disagree, you know, a lot of social media 
real estate gurus that uh, you know say paying off your house is stupid. And you know, we had a really smart um, um, insurance guy on our show, um, Curtis Ray. Um, he thinks it's stupid. Yeah. You know, also, and you know, the, I respect Curtis. You know, because he would at least offer up a good explanation. I'm not going to disagree with him, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I like the peace of mind of knowing that I own my home. Yeah, it's just it's I just agree. Me. Well, then next up, this is pretty popular right now, and we're not saying that it's the end of the world to to do right now. But we're going to tell you a little bit of the history behind adjustable rate mortgages and some of the things that Clint and I saw when we are early in our careers and adjustable rate mortgages were really popular. And what would happen was in the 90s, all these brand new neighborhoods were being built in our market. And with those properties came no taxes for a couple of years because they had not been assessed. At the same time, adjustable rate mortgages were super popular and everybody was getting them. So at the same time taxes were being assessed, people's adjustable rate mortgages would have a little bit of a bump up after that, say, five-year period if you do an adjustable rate mortgage where it's locked in for five, amortized for 30. And suddenly we saw foreclosures of normal, everyday folks, not talking about people that were necessarily over-leveraged based on the, the, the mentality of the world back then. These were just normal people who got taken out by doing adjustable rate mortgages and rates went up during that five-year term. And suddenly, after five years, their taxes went up, their adjustable rate mortgage went up, and suddenly their $1,200 a month payment was $18, $19, even $2,000 a month, in some cases doubling. And we saw people lose their houses over this. So adjustable rate mortgages can save you a little money. And in theory... We see a lot of people predicting that uh, mortgage rates will be down in the next few years. But do you want to bank your future and where you rest your head on that? If you're cutting it that close and trying to save money, I would just be very, very aware that the fact that adjustable rate mortgage can come up and bite you in five years when, when that term is up. Just be very aware of it. I don't think they are coming down. Um. You know, that's a that's a topic that can be debated for many hours. I saw a really cool clip on TikTok, um, either last night or the night before, where it showed the average mortgage rate per president. Hmm. And it went back for like the last, uh, I think it was just, uh, I think it went back to either Gerald Ford or Jimmy Carter. And... You know, you hear the talk of like how crazy interest rates are right now. You know, Biden is, you know, the Biden administration is one of the lowest. If you look at all of the presidents. Sure. You know, the Trump administration, numero uno. Right. Um, it is the lowest, um, you know, in, 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 in on that scale going back to Ford or, you know, Jimmy Carter. But, you know, um, average, you know, rates of eight, you know, Reagan was like nine or 10. Um, yeah. You know, it's, we're not in crazy territory. You know, I think the problem was the record setting interest rate of the previous administration. And I'm not getting into politics at all. I don't really participate in politics. I'm not a pro Biden. I'm not a pro Trump guy. Um, I'm just talking from being in real estate, my entire adult life rates did not need to be at two, two and a half, three percent. I think it was a huge mistake. Well, the country's paying for it right now. Country's paying for it. You know, who in their right mind 
would sell their house right now. If you bought a house over the last couple of years, who in their right mind is going to sell? I saw this. This, this is something that uh, our producer showed me before the show on TikTok of a guy, a mortgage broker, shouting out this website. And it's a brilliant website, and we'll uh, we'll have it linked on our on our Homeboys podcast a website for you to check out. But it's a website that actually features homes that are being sold with assumable mortgages that are under three percent. Get out of here! Yeah, so it's a website that shows all the houses that are out there available. I guess somehow throughout the nation that are for sale that have mortgages that are under three percent and have assumable mortgages on them. Now, the drawback would be you have to bring whatever equity is in that house to the table. So you couldn't do it just a, you're just assuming whatever mortgage is left on that. So say if it's a a million dollar home and the mortgage is 500,000 at two and a half percent, you've got to bring that other $500,000 to buy it. So Mm -hmm. it's a little different than a traditional way of buying, Mm -hmm. but think about what that means. People who have houses with two and a half percent mortgages on them are suddenly worth more and are being marketed separately than every other house that's out there on the market. Right. They're in their own basket, you know, and the average mortgage uh, of the homeowner in the U S it's still under 4% from this last time. It's, I think it's over 50% still mm-hmm. is under 4%, which is crazy. Well, it's nuts. Crazy, but we're paying the price for that. So just be aware that those adjustable rate mortgages may save you a few bucks here and now but you could end up paying big time down the road. We saw it take people out. We just urge caution and being as conservative as possible when you're buying your first house. The The next thing that this is specifically or more importantly for somebody who hasn't owned a home, it's those hidden costs, right? You and I have owned homes our whole lives. We know how they just suck that money right out of your wallet. Every Sadly, week. I almost don't anymore. It's crazy. Like things have changed so much that the hidden costs even shock me. Yeah. I eat, sleep, you know, breathe this business every single day and I'm getting shocked with some of the hidden costs. You know, I was talking uh with our project manager and you know, like just, you know, all of our all of our rehabs and maintenance and everything has gone up so much. I was telling the story about, you know, I've got a uh, detached um, you know, two car garage that I added a bay on, um, that, uh, that I needed to, to paint. So I went to Sherman Williams and I bought the paint for, uh, for this detached garage. The, the material alone, the paint alone was $1,500, you know, to paint. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, there's still things that are like shocking me, you know, whether it be garage doors, whether it be, you know, windows, you know, just mentioned, uh, the paint, Everything has gone up so much. I don't even know what the heck's going on. I got a bid for windows. When was that, Clint? Three years ago? Mm -hmm. Three years ago, it was $90,000 to do windows at my house. What do you think that bid would be today? One fifty. $150,000 to replace the windows at my house. It's bananas out there. So the maintenance costs of owning a home is something that you need to plan on. That's why your mortgage payment shouldn't be more than 25% of your take-home. Because you're going to need to plan for the real estate taxes that come along with it. The cost of insurance that goes up. All of these other little costs. That utilities. You, utilities. Now, you say, I, I could definitely hear someone listening to this and saying, well, I'm not going to buy a house then. This is just bananas. No, it's worth it. 
It's worth it for a few reasons. The first and most important reason is the reason that Clint taught me. I've been in real estate a really long time. I've owned a lot of homes and I never really, really appreciated the planting a flag. Explain that. Well, you know, you, you, you hear on, you hear on social media a lot that, you know, you're stupid. If you buy your house, you should always rent your house. You know, I think Grant Cardone is the biggest, you know, spokesperson for that. You know, for me, you know, I want, you know, my, my castle, I'm not talking about a big house. I'm just talking about a place for, for my family, uh, you know, a place that we can call home, a place where we can plant our flag and say, that is where we're going to spend our lives. That's where we're going uh, to learn about Christ. And that is where um, we're going to build our memories, you know, at, at, at that house. So I don't know for me, like, you know, uh, renting a house and then moving after a couple of years and it's not for me. And I grew up, uh, my mom is still in the same house that I grew up in. Uh, she, uh, her and my dad bought that in 1975 and that's home. It'll always be home. And because of that, I don't, you know, I don't plan, uh, for that house to go to anybody else right. you know, and call me crazy, you know, for that. But I mean, it means something to me and I want my, uh, the house that I live in to mean something to my children. I, I think that I understood that, but I never really appreciated it until you talked a lot about it. And then I started really paying attention to my kids and how they feel when they come home, you know, Absolutely. and my kids are in college now and, mm-hmm. and after college and Lily coming home, my oldest, who's just out of college, still keeping her room the way it was having a place for her. It still feels like home. It's a magical thing. And when I go, you know, down to your mom's house, I stay in your old room and it still has the prom king, you know, scepter sitting out there on the wall. Sal Spencer, class of 97, homecoming king. Yeah, homecoming That's king. Right. That's right. But, but there's something special about that. And let's, let's just clear this up. We have a lot of business in Southern Indiana. So like we don't, me and Scott don't just have sleepovers at, your you mom's? Know, at my mom's house. You know, so Why not? Like, you know, it, I enjoy it. It is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. But, uh, I but, got no you know, shame. We sound like, uh, yeah. we do sound like an old, that's the most couple, social you know. my life gets is staying at your mom's house. Well, I mean, we, we, we always go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. I normally have, you know, one or two buddies from back in the day, you know, stop by, right. you know, to say, it's say, a great time. Say, hey, it is a great time. It's you a know, great time. Town but, knows everybody. But okay. There's a couple other reasons that are more important to our listeners probably, which is you're also capturing that appreciation. You're paying that house off over time. You're also getting the depreciation. You're getting interest deductions on your taxes. There's a lot of financial reasons that, that make it worth it. Now, I've studied the charts, rent versus buy, and it, as far as I'm concerned, it's a coin flip as far as just cold, hard financial, and it depends where you are, um, but at the end of the day, for a long term, if you're going to be somewhere long term, I come down on the side of the coin that's a buy as far as the financial, uh, the better financial decision for you in that sense. So I believe it's a good financial decision, but we haven't mentioned along this way. Part of the reason why 25% at most should go to your mortgage payment is because you should keep saving for your next house while you're in this. If you plan to ever level up or move, the goal should be not to sell that first house, but to turn it into a rental and turn it into cash flow and let a tenant pay that mortgage off for you while you go get your next house. Some of my biggest mistakes in real estate have been selling my own personal residence. 
And I'm glad you brought that up because we get a lot of slack back from people also. Oh, it must be nice, you know, to, to, to just keep all of your houses. Well, if you go into it with that mindset, you can plan for your next house. You can save up over five years if you want it to be after you buy that first house for your next down payment. And yes, you should keep it. So whenever you're buying your house, always ask yourself that question. If I had to turn this property into a rental, would it make a good rental? I think that's exceptionally important and not enough people are taking advantage of that. Especially young folks out there and their first houses. Because at some point, a lot of people level up or have to change, uh, have to move move cities, move towns, and that first house should always be turned into a rental. I couldn't agree more. Well, we love talking about real estate, but the homeboys are here to tell you there is more to real estate investing. Yes, we love being able to provide for our families through the means of real estate, but we also believe that it's important for you to surround yourself with people that you love doing life with. Tomorrow, I'm going on my annual golf trip with 11 rednecks from Southern Indiana. And I tell you what, I couldn't be more excited because you know what? All of these guys, we've known each other our whole lives. We care about one another. We go play golf. We play cards at night. The fellowship is just an amazing way to reset. We all live very busy, stressful you know, lives that require long hours. You got to surround yourself with people that you enjoy doing life with. And I'm about to embark on that journey. I can't wait to do it. I get to embark on this real estate journey with this clown every day. I love that. But we really appreciate you tuning into our show today. You got to catch some of our short form content. You can find us on TikTok at the Homeboys Podcast. You go to thehomeboyspodcast.com as well. Find a lot of great resources. We love being with you. Till next time, homies. Happy investing. <laughs>